In today's episode, Dave interviews Anne Randolph. Anne is a playwright, a teacher, and an award-winning solo artist. Anne won a Ovation Award for Squeezebox, originally produced by Mel Brooks and the late Anne Bancroft. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. Testimonials, reading the testimonials that, that you've done and seeing your story, I think that we're very similar. You and I, even though I don't know you at all, mm-hmm. uh, it, similar in that there's a there's a part of the Venn diagram, that middle part, I don't know what you call it, the middle part where things cross over, um, that that I that I noticed, and and that is um, an excitement for life, uh, getting as much as you can out of life. Uh, the lessons that we, the, the experiences that we have, aren't separate from our art, nor are they to be sequestered or hidden, yeah. uh, they're all to be fodder. There is no good, there is no bad, there is just is. Yes, and it's just material, exactly. it's just a story. Right, it's just yes. story. Yes. Uh, and, and was there a time where you went, where you went, oh, this, that happened to me was not a bad thing or a good thing, it was just something that happened to me. And then, so we don't look at it as, oh my God, my life is so this or my life is so that. Well, I, I think in the middle of it, I'm, I'm looking, oh, this is horrible, horrible, horrible. And then at the same moment, I can also put a tape recorder on and reflect. And because I use a video camera sometimes and just look the next 24 hours later and say, oh, Anne, you're in the middle of your story, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, this is great material. So um, to, to move out of it, because you know what? In the middle of it, you're thinking, this is going to be great material. Right. Yes. Right, right. And I Not think that I don't freak out and cry and, uh, you know, like, well, how did this happen to me? <laughs> you know, but yes. Yeah, the idea of, of, of being in the middle of it all and experiencing the middle of it all and experiencing everything and, and not wanting... I feel like if everything... There's a, there's a Talking Heads song, Heaven. Do you know that song? No. There's the line that David Byrne wrote, um, Heaven is a place where nothing ever happens. You know, and there's a party, and everybody comes to the party, and everybody's there, and then everybody, they play the same song, your favorite song, over and over again, and then everybody leaves at the same time, and that kiss that you're having right now, uh, that you're experiencing, that kiss, that kiss is going to be the same kiss that you're going to get a moment Oh, yes, from now. I know the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is great. Yeah, yeah. And you go, yeah. how do you live your life like that? Yeah. And if we look at things going, ah, it's so horrible. Yeah. I think we're missing out. Mm. Oh, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. I to- it's accepting. I mean, I think probably the, one of the qualities of the work or something I explore all the time is that dark, that shadow, that like the thing that I'm trying to suppress or don't want anybody to see. I'm like, let it out. Mm. So, and uh, accept it. Accept it. Give it its voice. Right. It's part of me. Right. And it's nasty and perverted and dirty. And, and then you have the swing on the other side. It's reverent, it's sacred. So this swing of back and forth all the time. It's interesting for you to say, you know, it's nasty, perverted, and dirty, and then it's sacred. Because those things that you, that you go, oh, are, are hidden, that you don't want out in the open, those really are sacred. Yeah. Because we, we, hold, on, we hold them in a different place. Yes. Than we do, I went to pavilions and I bought groceries there. Yes. That, that, that goes in, obviously goes in a different place. Yes. But just because it goes in a different place doesn't mean it's hidden. Right, right, right. And or it's it accepting that hidden or exposing the hidden. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I don't hold back from that mm-hmm. at all. And you also nurture that when you teach. That's my, yeah. I think if anything, you know, it's that giving people permission to, right. go, to go there. You right. Know, from, and do people yeah. come to you, because I know for me, people come to me 
not knowing exactly who I am, but know sort of what I do. And at first, I watch them kind of move around and not sh being certain what they can share with me. And then after a while, I watch them let that thing go. Uh, and then, do you, do you so feel So you have that? a beautiful quality then of uh, but so allowing you, people. Right? Yeah, I feel that. They just, I don't, yeah, I think it's just if you're living from that place or you're, you're like, I think when I do my show, Pete is so raw, then people feel, ah. She went there. She took that step is it, into is that it the world. Show Loveland or the show? Show uh, Loveland and Squeezebox. Squeeze oh, the, the, then people, I think that even seeing the show gives people permission. And then just in my workshops, I have people move a lot, move and surprise themselves because, you know, the head's going to stop you from everything. Don't do that. Don't say, you know, the head is so really getting people in the body right. helps tremendously. Do you have a dance background? No, I have no background. <laughs> you know, I was in college. I lived in a mental institution for four years, and um, it, it, I had to find a job. And it was uh, I had I love writing plays, and I heard that you they let six students a semester who were studying psychology live there. And I wasn't studying psychology, but I just seen King of Hearts, and I thought, well, this is where all the genius artists live. Uh, Alan Bates. Yes, Alan Bates. Phenomenal oh God, movie. Right. And, and about, I thought, about being in a, in a, in a mental institution. Yes. Yeah, and where all the great artists live. And I thought, that's where I want to live. This is where the characters are. This is where the genius is, and I'm going to move up there. Right. And I went up to there, and it was freshman year. Everybody's moving to freshman dorms, and I, I say, can I live here? And they go, well, we take psychology students. I go, well, how about I write plays with the mentally ill, and I had never um, been around mental illness, just saw the movie King of Hearts, and they right. said, yeah, come on up. So I get to live there for a semester, and we all get along so well, I lived there all four years. But I, I say this because the first monologue I took down to my theater class was the first day I walk on a mental institution, guy's masturbating in his, you know, in his chair, his, you know, his dick is out, and he's like, touch it, touch it, touch it, oh yeah, touch it, touch it, you know, and he's, uh, so I write a little monologue about that, touch it, and take it down to class, and it just censored, you know, and you can't say these things, you can't do these Which things, this is this? not appropriate. This was Ohio University. Mm -hmm. So I never really... Ohio State? Ohio U, which Ohio is U. different. Yeah, what city is it's that It's in? in Athens, which is this Appalachian town right around West Virginia. Got it. Got and it. Um, it was really... I had all set intention to major in theater, even though my parents were not allowing me to major in theater, but take theater classes. And after one class of putting up my monologue and told no... I didn't ever take another theater class. Did you? Did you? Re remain I didn't in study school? theater. I remained in school, and then I just. Luckily, there was a TA in that class who said, "And what you're doing is phenomenal." Mm, right. So that was something I really learned: find your team, find somebody that is going to cheerlead you because uh, you're gonna. I know, I meet so many students that have stopped after one red mark, after one teacher saying, and that would have happened to me had I not found people embracing what I was doing. In order, I think, for us to grow, there's got to be that pressure, and there's got to be somebody that, that says to you, that pressure isn't a bad thing. That pressure is exactly what you're supposed to have. For someone yeah. to say, you can't do that, suppressing you, pushing you down. Yeah. So you go, I cannot not do that. Right. For you to say, I can't do that. I'm not rebelling against you telling me that I can't do that. Yeah. But I'm just saying, I have to do that. Yeah. If you don't think that that's what I should do, that's you saying that I shouldn't do that. Yes. I don't have to buy the, into that. That's exactly true. Yeah. It's that impulse is so strong. Like, oh, my God, I got I to gotta tell it now, you know. But it, it, I've had that encounter. I, you know, I never had formal study because just a lot of teachers. Not till L.A. did I find a teacher that I really liked that said just embraced everything. Didn't really tell me no. You know, you and that made me anything. I was at the Groundlings. Yes. And found that to be a, as well. 
as much as I loved learning about sketch and performing, I was definitely doing something deeper and um, had a more um, edge to it, even told no with some, some of my characters that it was too far. You pushed it too far. Right. Which now Were I don't, you I don't think Were that. Were you a groundling? Yeah, I was in the company, and uh -huh. I don't think that would have. I don't think that would have happened now. I mean, I think now everything, everything all hell's broken loose. But may, when so I was awesome. in it, 1991, they were still censoring a little bit. Right. Yeah. Uh, I just had, uh, I just, uh, my friend is Gary Austin, who is the founder oh, of the yeah, Groundlings. Oh, yeah. And Gary was saying how different it was back then than it is now. I mean, he hasn't been there since the mid-70s. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I think that every, anything goes is exactly what's happening yes. right now. Yes, yes. I don't think there's any censoring. So. I, I think that I believe that there's no censoring. I don't think there's any censoring, certainly in the work that, that we do in L.A., in New York, in Chicago. Yeah. But I have been to some places teaching where someone would come up to me and say, um, we don't use that word. <laughs> well, yeah. And I go, oh, yeah. okay. Where yeah. I'm in that place. Yeah. And I don't know how you, I don't know how you grow if, you, if there's that fundamentalism that stops you. Yes. Yeah. Well, they'll grow. I mean, I, the fact that like regional theaters took on vagina monologues, I, mm. I, I mean, to me was phenomenal that that happened. So there's a, and I know that for my own show, Squeezebox, I put it at Cincinnati Playhouse in the park is, is like a big regional theater in the country. And mm. I put up my show one night and too edgy. The minute I went to New York, got the approval of off-Broadway Mel Brooks. Ah, oh, we're ready for it. So right. it's just really this, stamp of somebody saying yes that is then somehow gives permission or openness because i i found that my whole life i'm i'm running up against no no it's too edgy too but then you get a stamp of some celebrity or someone's buddy then you're I, in i totally understand my dad did that with me being into theater uh where he because uh, I performed in prisons for a year across the United States doing non-comedic improvisation in prisons in a theater company called Geese Company. And, and Dad had a line. He said, son, I was 25. He said, don't, son, don't you think you're chasing rainbows? And I'm going, really? You said that? And then <laughs> when I got into Second City, it was like, hey, my boy. And I love my dad. I really yeah. do. And I look at him and I think he needed that seal of approval in order for, me, for him to understand exactly what it is that I'm doing. Yes. Yes, parents do. Parents they, they, do, but well, they're society worried. Does. Society does. Everybody's worried, or, or they're like the lifestyle pushes their own buttons on not living a creative life. So either way, either they're worried that you're going to be destitute, which was parents' worry for me, and um, you know, or it's too much for people. It, so. It's so interesting the idea of being destitute and and seeing what how how the the, the path that you took, all the jobs that you've had. And yeah. what you've done with those jobs, so, so, so your need to be financially secure to live in yeah. to live in this world led you into these situations, which also fed into your art, which also gave voice to who it is that you are as well. Yes. Do you agree with that? That is totally true. Survival jobs, survival sacrifice. Yes. And you use those survival jobs not just as survival jobs, but you also use those survival jobs as fodder for your yes. your uh, as fodder for material that allowed you your voice right i don't think i went in there saying ah this is going to be fodder for my voice but it, it just came from um that like the homeless shelter i lived in a homeless shelter for 10 years and um i was working there seven at night to seven in the morning and i took that job because i could sleep there and that way free to create during the day so you know i didn't want to have a job that would suck the life out of me and um 
and it was paid $8.60 an hour. It was a job nobody wanted. If I quit, I could probably get the job back the following next day. Right. Nobody wanted this job. Right. And I thought I'd be there one year and I'd get some sitcom, some movie, to, you know. Was that here? That was here in LA, in, LA? in Santa Monica. Mm -hmm. And um, year after year, 10 years. And I was hiding it in LA, you know, you don't tell people, oh yeah, I'm a consultant, I'm a writer, I'm a developer, you know. Right. And so hiding also that I was doing this because I wanted to be perceived as a certain successful writer performer. Right. So lying about who I was, loving my work at the shelter. I never did not love the work at the shelter because I, I just love people. I love, and I would do groups and do creative writing groups. I really fed, was fed creatively there and also personally. But at the same time, going into depression because now I'm in my late 30s. I'm still making eight dollars an hour. Nothing's popped in. What the hell am I going to do? And then. Uh, just my teacher, Terry Silverman, she just encouraged me, write about what you don't want anybody to know. And it was that I was working this graveyard shift for 10 years and right. hiding it. So I wrote that show, and that's the show that became Squeezebox then that Mel Brooks produced right. and Anne Bancroft. And, and it was extraordinary to see. And I wrote about loss of faith, loss of belief. And these are comedies, but writing about just not comedy, drama, whatever you want to say, where there's a emotional journey for the main character. There needs to be another word. There needs to be a word that describes that. Yeah, because it know? makes me crazy because it's outlandish comedy, but people are moved deeply and there's a narrative arc. Right. So, there's yeah. <laughs> it's a play. Exactly. To say that there's a narrative arc, you go, I, I understand narrative arc, and maybe we should start making sure that people, <laughs> that, the, that your Ohioans, your, your, your people in Ohio know what a narrative arc is. Yeah. Um, but, not but, so all of that the hiding and 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 yet you've talked about that ta yes. who said great stuff yeah and you talked about this woman terry sullivan silverman S silverman silverman terry yeah. silverman these two people and because when you're telling the story of both those the vision that i had the metaphor that i had was somebody went here's a door you should walk through this door uh, i know what you're doing it walk through this door uh, and, you're, and you're gonna like what's on the other side of that door yes yes it's true, support, people, right. encouraging, biggest thing for me. Right. People, people in my life saying, keep going. Right. Yeah, because everything's telling you no. Everything is telling you no, and you're telling you no. Yeah. You know, and, and it's that, that balance where you say, uh, it's a balance where I think, I'm telling me no, uh, these people are telling me no, should I tell me no? Yeah. Uh, should I agree with what they're doing? Yeah. Should I agree with what their point of view is? Mm -hmm. Isn't that what, that, mm -hmm. what what happens? Where you go, oh, these people are saying no to me, and you stop and you go and you think, oh, if they're saying no, maybe I should say no, <laughs> right? Oh yeah. I mean, you're saying every no every time you can't pay for something. Like, what am I doing? Right. Get back a master's degree. Get pay. Do oh, something. God, a nursing right? degree, even though I kill the patients. You oh know? right. Right. Anything for stability or something. But I'm not hanging do on. That. No, I couldn't either. No. I talk about. I talk to people all the time. Right. I think. Do I want a job where? Not do I want a job? Could I do the job of the corporate job of yeah. sitting with a lanyard with your name on it, you know, doing yeah. security and getting through that and taking the elevator to that place? Yeah. And there's a bunch, and you get to go outside for 45 minutes during yeah. the day. And there's a lot of people love that security. Yeah. And I get it. Yeah. I don't. I can't do it. Yeah, I can't do it either. Yeah. I hear you. I do. Yeah. And I can't. I. I have you written a book? No, people ask me, write a book, Anne. But I, I just, I feel alive on stage and, and a book, 
um, be hard. I always am thinking of other shows for stage. And recently I've been doing like these talks around at universities on uh, motivational about my life, like things I have learned along the way. Mm -hmm. And uh, especially then people saying, write something. You know, because now I have bullet points, you know, let go of outcomes, right? You know, right. all these things I've learned from experience. And uh, especially with failure, I failed tremendously. Uh, just Loveland, the show that I'm doing uh, right now, touring, when I opened it in 2009 in um, San Francisco, I had come off Squeezebox. Squeezebox was a huge uh, hit. In, mm -hmm. um, it did great in New York, off-Broadway hit, and then touring for years, and then I'm putting up a new show. So I have all these fans, all these students that I'm now teaching, and it's in previews in San Francisco. And I put it on, and I bomb, just bomb. And then I... Uh, I, w I want to rewrite the whole thing. I have s one student with no impulse control come up to me and say, oh my God, it was so cool to see my teacher suck. Yeah. Anyway, I just suck. I was awful. And I wanted to bail right then and there because the shame of performing night after night in previews and bombing is, is horrific. And I, my director, who's phenomenal, Joshua Townsend Zoner, I'm going to just, I've grown so much with him. He's like, Ann, you, you haven't switched from writer to performer yet. You haven't gotten in the body. It's going to take some time. And the only way it's going to take time is for you to continue bombing each night in front of this audience. And that's what happened. And right. my suck level got less and less. Right. Took failure, a long time. It's interesting about failure because yeah. failure is, it, it, because it seems like there's, you're aware of the fear. Yes. And it, I, I think either last year or the year before, I suddenly went, oh, I understand what Roosevelt was saying. The only thing to fear is fear itself. Yeah. And the only thing to fear is that word fear. And that's, you know, it's just a word. And yet your failure is, again, that pressure that guides you and to have um, Jonathan? Your, your, your director? Uh, Joshua. Joshua. So yeah. To have Joshua again say, here's that door. I know what you're doing. I got to pull you out of this room. Yeah. And now we got to go to this other room here yes. again to say that failure is, because it is about the mind. Yeah. The mind is saying, you're failing, you're failing. Stop it, stop it, stop yeah. it. And yet your body, and what he's saying about keeping that in your body, yeah. and your body is going to tell you what's right, is exactly right. what happens. It was huge. That was a really hard one. That was a, I mean, I've had many. I mean, that was a challenging one. And, mm -hmm. and, and, um, uh, and there's a Rumi poem that I love um, about a chef stirring chickpeas in a, in a bowl, a giant pot. And um, one of the chickpeas want to leap up and says, I'm, I'm cooked, I'm ready. And the chef hits it with a ladle and says, nope, you need more flavor, more character. Whack! And I feel really like that with each, like, man, what has happened, it's... Uh, giving me more flavor, more character. And to keep your mind open toward, uh, to, to also keep, it seems like you've done this as well, where you've done, you've done this as well, and that is to not rest on, not rest on your, 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 your successes, to keep moving forward, to know that you've got to keep moving forward, to always be curious and to always have the energy to create that next thing. Yes. Yeah, because that impulse is always there. Something else is showing up in your life. You're never, you're an inexhaustible mystery. You're always like, what, what, what else is showing up? And it's for me, what, is, what am I going through? Like, like with Squeezebox, it was working the shelter, losing faith. With Loveland, it was death of my dad and how am I going to get through grief of parents? Mm -hmm. So there's always something showing up that I want to work through. Well, you said inexhaustible what? Mystery, mystery. We're inexhaustible, inexhaustible mystery. mystery. I yeah. love that that yeah. phrase, inexhaustible mystery, because yeah. it is always an inexhaustible yeah. mystery. 
Yeah. Beyond that next thing is beyond this thing is that thing that's next to this thing. Yes. And then next, yes. and then adjacent to that thing is a thing. Yes. There's never not anything that's inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. It is true. It is true. Mm -hmm. And you are also turning people on to that, and at the same time, they're turning you on to them being turned on by you. Did you follow me on that? One I got you. Yeah. I just know about being turned on. Right, right, right. That's right. Right. Okay. It was really fun to say that. It was really fun to say that. It was really fun to say that. And I love, because you, you travel a lot. Yeah. And I love my travels, because I travel great. a lot too, mm -hmm. for work. Um, and I love my travels, and I get so excited yeah. about traveling. Yeah. I get so excited about meeting people. And there's no, f there's no fear. For me, I think, okay, so this weekend I'm going to Austin. I've got uh, three classes that I'm teaching at the uh, Out of Bounds Comedy Festival. I'm teaching three classes. I'm performing with a dear friend of mine in a two-person show, and I'm doing a podcast, and I don't think about those things. None of that stuff makes me go, you know? It's, it's all It's all going to unfold and mm. furl and evolve at the uh. moment that it does, and all that I get to do, what I get to do is to be there yeah. with it. See what happens. Watch it all go down. Exactly. Yeah. And then later on say, oh, that was that. Yeah. That was exciting. That was that. Where are you, mm -hmm. where are you going? Well, you're, you're going? You're going back to Kauai, which is where you live now. Mm-hmm. And is that, and you just kind of hang out there? You, yeah, just hang. Right? No, well, what I, I'm saying is, uh, are you also going other places too? No, I just, I've been on the road now since May. So mm -hmm. I'm going back to work on, um, uh, I'm teaching class there and doing a show, but the main thing is to generate, uh, how do I say, I've got a huge gig in Washington DC at the arena stage in March, mm -hmm. and I want to make sure, because I had an experience in New York, and I'll share it, that was like the huge loss, um, where uh, I want to make sure that I have everything in line, so when that show opens in March, every seat is full. Okay. And so to do that would require, uh, I'm doing like all kind of grassroots campaigns, starting getting built up. Not that the arena isn't having their own marketing team, but right. I want to just make sure. How big of a venue? It's 200 seats, eight shows a week, so 1,600 seats, 1,600 people a week, and it's a three and a half week run with an extension four weeks if mm -hmm. it goes. So I want to make sure right. I'm doing seven weeks. Right. Yeah. And so what is it that that you're doing? That's the the groundwork that you that you're doing. I'm gonna like set up free workshops in DC mm -hmm. and all in January, start getting with nonprofits, start getting with people that want to be a part of, the big thing that I'm doing in DC is that after each show, I will do a writing workshop with the audience. Mm -hmm. So this combination of doing the theater and writing workshop in one thing, so kind of getting a groundswell, of getting people excited by going there in January before the run and just doing maybe 20 free workshops for the community. Right. To get them like, ah, you know, on board with right. this. Yeah. <sighs> Know any DC people in the podcast? Call me. <laughs> we, uh, yeah. We're huge in Virginia. We are. We are. I've got to tell you, we are really huge in Virginia. Are you Virginia? I, Virginians, I get out there. Okay. Well, I don't know why we're so huge in Virginia. I love it. Like, there's California, uh -huh. and then there's Virginia. Like, I love Virginia. it. Virginia. Thank you, Virginia. Thank you so much, Virginia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'm one of the Randolphs of Virginia, the poor one. They're a founding father in Virginia, but uh, awesome. get it. <laughs> I could see that. I could see that. Oh, when you're doing this this groundwork that you're doing, it just sounds. It's. I love groundwork. I know well, I love that you love groundwork. I, I look at groundwork. I, I have to have a better attitude around groundwork because uh, 
you know, I'd rather be writing a new show, but at the same time. It's all part of it. It is, yeah, yeah. For me, if I know I have the time to prepare those things, and it's also, as we're, uh, the, as the, the longer we do this, the more I go, okay, the more I, I realize, oh, this, this point in the calendar is too early the, to, to yes. promote it, to lay the groundwork. Yes. I don't want to dilute it so that people aren't, you know, people are going, oh, really, Dave? Well, right. We've seen this already. And I also don't want to make it so that I got to rush. Right. So there's this sweet spot yes. uh, in, in the calendar where you go, okay, now I'm going to sit down and I'm going to uh, execute my plan. Yes. You're positive. I like this, Dave. I am very positive. You're good. I'm positive. You're positive. I, but there was a time where I went, oh, my God, i got to do that. Groundwork, me, groundwork, that. groundwork. Right. Yeah. And yeah. it also helps where, I, you know, having been at the Second City, where, okay, before I went to the Second City, I was with a bunch of little theater companies in Chicago where we had to do our own promotion and get out there yes. and put the flyers out in, in the old days. But if we get on the L and hand out flyers to people and make sure that people knew and we were all sneaking, you know, the printing at, at, at businesses that we did yeah. and to be able to do that and cut it and paste it and hand it out and get the word out and make phone calls and all that stuff. And then I got to the second city where you didn't have to do any of that. Yeah. Yeah. At all. Yeah. Somebody else did that. Yeah. But watching those somebody else's do that yes. was very inspiring to me as well. Oh yeah. I mean I go through places where yeah, theaters do all that, and there's still times I'm doing it. So, um, and I have to share with what happened in New York. So I was in the homeless shelter and mm -hmm. um, working there. In that, and uh, Mel and Aunt, this is why I'm doing this. Uh, this is a long story, but this is why I'm doing this groundswell. Is that um, so? When Mel came to see the show, he's and and they said we want to make a movie of this. What do you want? And I said I want to go to Broadway, opera. You know, that's where this show needs to be. And they go, we'll make that happen. And the show at the time had won the Ovation Award for Best Solo Show in L.A. It never even had a run. It was just me saving $500 every six weeks to put it up one time at the court. It was like this long ass time of just wow. saving money enough to put up one night, one night. And here it won with not even having a run, but just enough people seeing it. And it won the LA Weekly too. Both awards would not even have. <laughs> I lied. I lied in my press release saying that it was running like eight because you have to have six consecutive shows. Right. I, I lied. Right. Anyway, they came and they and it did great. Not financially, but or, you know, award-wise. And so when it, the show, Mel saw the show it was two hours and twenty minutes with an intermission. He said, "I'm not going to put it in New York until you cut it down to eighty minutes." And that was hard. So for the next year and a half, I and he goes on, "I'm optioning it for twenty-five thousand, which um, twenty-five thousand. I still stayed at the shelter, right? Because right. that twenty-five thousand, how long is that going to last, right. right? So a year and a half." I would go to Mel and Ann's house or I'd go to the studio and I'd show them these cuts. And then he'd fly me to New York or fly me wherever to show his friends like Chevy Chase or, you know, uh, Liam Neeson to get feedback, Carl Reiner. So the pressure on him in the shelter or I'm going to go to Broadway wow. and I'm either going to make this option. And he's like, Ann, it's not there yet. It's not there yet. Uh -huh. You know, and this incredible pressure of having this extraordinary, and Mel and I would fight like, no, choke work, no. And he's like, because I'm like, I said it won an award, it won best solo show, <laughs> and he's like, you are cutting it, you are getting, you know, and then um, finally having an argument uh, with Mel Brooks. I'm sorry, to uh, cut yeah, you off, but yeah. It's one of the things where I'm going, you're you're sitting there having this awesome artistic argument, yeah, over what works, over what works, yeah, with Mel, <laughs> over what works. It was insane. Okay, so but keep going. Forget, and then finally, okay, he's like, and I think it's getting 
and the other thing it was this tremendous pressure for me when I go to New York is I'd have to find the audience right he's right. like we're coming out there I didn't know New York I didn't know people so I just write to like one or two people I said Mel Brooks and these movie stars are gonna come and I swear to God and so these people would show up that I didn't even know that right. did support which was amazing but once again having to hustle and find audience right. when I go back and forth finally Mel goes and I think it's ready but until it's ready, we're gonna. I want to see you in the Midwest. I'm gonna see that you hit not only the coast but the Midwest to make sure the show's like you know hitting Midwest. So my friends here say, and there's this bowling alley in Minnesota. They didn't tell me. They said theater, theater in Minnesota that does comedy. Go up there, and they, they get me into this place called Bryant Lake Bowl. I know it's it's. I've been there, Minneapolis. Okay, Minneapolis. And, and in the front, there's a bowling alley, and the side yeah. is a beautiful little theater. Yeah, but I, know I that didn't space. know that when you perform in that place, you're hearing strike, <laughs> you're in bowling alley, they're serving beer, and it's more like sketch comedy. And mine's a theater piece, intimate theater. And I realized soon this sucks. I'm doing, once again, narrative arc, very emotional. Mm -hmm. This theater is not appropriate. People got their feet up on the stage. They're drinking beers, and right. there's some Yahoo. They're like, okay, disaster. ML's coming in one week. This is going to bomb. This is the last final, whatever. And so I go to the um, Guthrie Theater. I get this this great idea. I think it's a great idea. Uh, and they're showing a Sheridan comedy. And I'm watching the audience. I'm not watching the comedy. I'm watching who's laughs. At intermission, I pull to people and I say, I saw you laughing. I saw you laughing. Mel Brooks is coming in one week. Will you come? I swear to God, on my mother's grave death, she will be there. If you want to be in an audience with Mel Brooks and Anne Bancroft, get your ass to this bowling alley. So, sure enough, <laughs> a whole slew of ringers <laughs> arrived to that bowling alley mm -hmm. on the same night Mel and Ann pull up to that bowling alley in their limousine, and uh, and they come in, they see that, and the show just rocks. And Mel goes, this audience is incredible, Ann. They are an amazing audience. He didn't know I stacked it. Right. He had no idea. And he right. goes, you're ready for New York. So, after that, on my way to New York, so finally I have to quit the shelter, I'm going to New York, and... Um, getting ready to open in May. I get a call and you know what, Anne's got cancer. We need to go through chemotherapy right now. We're and gonna- And Bancroft. And Bancroft, we gotta push the opening to August. I'm really sorry about that. And we're also gonna, I've only been dealing with Mel and Anne. We're also gonna turn you over to another producer to handle the day-to-day -day things. You know, who's gonna be in touch with you about advertising, marketing, blah, 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 and take care of that. We've been, you know, we'll still be here artistically, but we can't right now, our focus is on Anne and chemotherapy. Totally got that. So as we're going down um, the road, it comes May, April, June, July. This man is not getting in touch with me. There's nothing done. I don't feel comfortable calling Mel and saying, hey, what's up? He's dealing with his wife with chemotherapy. I mean, this my, my director is like, what the hell? He's directed off Broadway. He knows that you have to have a marketing machine coming into there. So. I am like saying, don't worry, Alan, we'll get these incredible, that was my director, we'll get incredible reviews, it won't matter that we don't have marketing, it'll be just, you know, and I'm sure once we get there, there'll be marketing in place, blah, blah, blah. And so I get to New York, gonna open, and sure enough, there's not like any posters, there's nothing, I mean, and I have friends coming from all over the world, so I'm getting the high of my life, but at the same time, I know I'm walking into a total failure with no marketing. And I'm writing on, come on, let these reviews be great. Let these reviews, but the reviews were incredible. You can't go into New York and do eight shows a week without a machine behind you. Right. It was the most devastating. So I'm getting the high of my life at the same time is destitution again, right, right around the corner. Right. This show's not gonna run. So you did go get running. good reviews. I got great reviews. Great reviews. Great reviews in New York. But from the Times. From the New York Times, from right. Wall Street Journal, from, right. and it wasn't enough to, you have to have. You just You've can't got to go. have machinery underneath that to spread that yes, out. Yes, you can. Spread that out and then have the machinery yeah. to, to, uh, uh, to, to review it. It was the most devastating time 
I like because when are you going to get a chance again to be off Broadway? Mel Brooks produced Amber, you know, and and Mel felt terrible, and ended at this man that did not pick up the ball. They were not, in, you know, and I remember Mel just apologized and said, "Anne, I'm so sorry." And he started taking out quarter page ads in the New York Times for twenty grand. He felt horrible, you know. Here you are about, and there was nothing one could do. Right. And um, it was too late. It was too late. You were you, at the you can't Acorn, Acorn which was on Acorn. 42nd and 9th, the 200 right. seat theater. Right. So it was a bit, once again, so that experience was like, geez, you know, it, it was a point where I thought, I'm going to die. I'm not going to make it. This <laughs> is not, I'm going back to the homeless shelter. Right. I'm going from Broadway back to the homeless shelter. And um, luckily what happened, there were some regional theater directors in that audience during that time that saw it and then booked me the following year in fantastic regional theaters where I could make money but right. at the time I was broke I had to go back and live with my parents and my dad was dying how long ago was this that was 2004 mm -hmm. I really thought I'm back at the shelter right. you know and and so but you, you, I'm sorry your, your folks live in where Ohio they live in, in Loveland which is the name of the town God, yeah that's why it's called that so what I did was mm -hmm. I then wrote a show based on just tremendous loss right which is the show that I'm doing right now and mm -hmm. had I I know this so you know, I got to take care of my dad as he was dying for those years. Had squeeze box taken off, done everything. Mel, we were writing the movie too. I was writing the movie Van Bancroft. So these big, huge dreams: feature film, Mel directing and writing, Broadway. You know, all collapse, right? right. At the same time, in the most, I'll start crying. Um, most beautiful gift of taking care of my father during that time, and okay. then uh, being able to write this new show that is deeper than anything I've ever written. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. And again, looking at all those things, and yeah. things as I'm getting, uh, you know, uh, you don't have any idea. Yeah, you don't. You don't. You don't. It was a beautiful, I mean, it was horrific at the time, just knowing that, and you think it, you'll never have another chance. Right. And, uh, and yet, at that moment, there's something happening that you'll never have another chance yeah. at either. Yeah. Yeah. And it and the and the, the the gift was a gift to you and it was also a gift to your family. Yeah. All that having happened. Yeah. And how did that all go in? How did that all start? It started with Anne Bancroft needing chemotherapy. Yeah. And it started with her her yeah. Going through that. Yeah devastating mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. So it started all with that, mm -hmm. which threw things in motion. Yeah. Now, missing She died, them, like, almost soon, right after. I mean, it was fast. Right. Yeah. It seemed fast. It, was it really seemed fast. to me, I think, of course, a lot of that was um, kept out of the... Uh, kept out of the, 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 the media. Yeah, it was because it private. Because it seemed like, what do you mean she died? Yeah. It was hidden. It was hidden. I think there was another th hard thing. I couldn't talk to anybody about it. I had to keep it secret. So all these friends, family coming from New York, from all over to see the opening night and wondering where is things and not being able to say, well, this is what happened. Right. This is what's happening. And having to keep that in and hear all these questions like, Ann, I don't understand. Where, where, you, you know. Yeah. So holding that in was like, whoa. And that's when I got the video camera. I never had a video camera before because I figured I've got to release it. I can't tell anybody. So I started releasing it. And that's when I would look at the tape the next day and just get to the point of it's all story. It's all story. It's, it's all, all story. Right. Yeah. It's all story. Yeah. It's all story. Yeah. 
There's that lovely video of you and your father walking down the street. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a wink of an eye length, um, and yet it's just so awesome. Ah. Really beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And to take those moments, and to take those moments not just as, to take those moments, to take those moments. Yeah. And also to know that we're on this planet to express ourselves. Yeah. However way we do. Yeah. And then we get to spread that out to other people. Yeah. I feel blessed. I bet I'm sure you do as well. With, with, the, with, the, with the instructors that I've had, the directors that oh I've God, had, the yeah. actors that I've worked with, who have so all... So much. Right. Yeah. I've had incredible like people even during this time, a guy, when I was broke, I didn't have anything. I didn't even know I was going to, uh, yeah, it was, I had an old boyfriend, a guy just broke, his, his mother just wrote me a check for $10,000 right there and said, you get back on the horse, you know. So I've had, like, you can't let this take you down. Would, you can't let this take you down. You yeah. won't. You won't let this. Yeah, take you down. but at the time you're like, oh my god! I remember walking just in the streets of New York after I packed everything up. I was just thinking, I didn't die. I mean, that's <laughs> what it, it felt like. I didn't die. I thought this was something. Right. Some experience to go. And through. that feeling of I didn't die, and for people to be, to engage in a project or uh, to to uh, embark in a process towards something, yeah. and to to realize, oh, what's the worst that could happen? Yes. Something else will happen. Yeah. That's the worst that could yes. happen. Is something. Something else, else will happen. Something else will happen. Yeah. And, and what I think is going to happen might might happen. It might not happen. Yeah. But certainly something else is going to happen. And even if something ends. Yeah. It's not an ending, it's the beginning of something else happening. Right. Right. And what that is doesn't matter and it's a waste of your time to think about it. Yeah. Of what that thing might be. Right. Just as it's a waste of time to go, what is exactly this is going to look like? I don't know what it's going to I look know. like. You don't know what the arena, is that where it is? Yeah, the arena stage. The arena stage. You don't know what that's going to look like. You do know that you're going to do it. You're, you do know yeah. that right now you're preparing to do it. That's what you Yeah, know. and I, the way I'm preparing, I would never have done had that thing happen in New York. That's my long story. I am going to do everything right. to make sure I have that those seats full. Right, and, and so what you're also doing here, and that's what, you're, what you do, as well is, um, it's so interesting how many people you need to do a solo show. That's really funny uh, to me. Army. Wanna, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? What's that? An army. An army. Yeah. An army of people to do a solo show. Yeah. It's very interesting to me. Um, but all those things, like everything, I, these are the things that I can control. I can control my, I can control my actions in order to publicize my show. I can't control who's going to be there, but I can control, I'm getting press out, I'm getting promo material out, yeah. that's what I can control. So I get to know that that's part of the, pro the artistic process. And I think so many artists go, I'm not a businessman, I'm not, a, I'm not right. a, a businessman, I'm not a marketer, I don't know how to do any of that stuff. And then they stop. Right. But we live in a time right now where you can try it just a little bit and see what that works just a little bit and see what that works just yeah. a little bit. Yeah, you have to toot our horns. <laughs> we, have to, we have to toot our horns because, because nobody else is going to toot our horns. Right. And there's also something about that horn tooting, tutelage, horn tooting, that, 
to remove that feeling of oh you're being egotistical and you're you, you know you're you're, you're um, you only consider consider yourself and all that sort yeah. of stuff that I think the person that's just entering into the horn tooting period needs to overcome. They need to get through They do that. because you're giving a beautiful gift. You're giving your art. So, yeah. Right. Right. Change and I love it. Who does your website? Because I think it's, I love it how fresh and it just, it, it looks like Hawaii. She's great. Jen, Jen Petrus in Ohio, another Ohio gal. So, it, it yeah. It really feels it's so it's it's like what you're wearing it's white and blue <laughs> it's actually white and kind of a greenish there's a lot of white and a lot of green and i love the little icons that say what's coming up and there's it's quirky and it's all part of your art oh. do you uh -huh. you know what i mean mm -hmm. that's all part of you too mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and your friend jen in ohio who is inspired by you mm -hmm. to create a representation of you her representation of you yeah. for the internet for the for i'm so glad you like that i just had that done like this year redone uh -huh. yeah. i thought she's great it's really good yeah. and it's so simple and i've got to simplify mine mine's very dark and i do it myself and well use jen i know <laughs> she's great it, it, but it's, it's that thing like again we live in a time <laughs> where on your website you got your testimonials you got your videos you got your photographs you've got um your, your points of view you've got who it is that you are yeah. that is so uh, we're spreading our art out to inspire others but it's also my wings are open mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. my arms are open mm -hmm. and to have all these things come to us yeah yeah and it's just so awesome yeah. and so the show that you're doing at yeah. the arena stage arena stage that doesn't sound right Arena it stage. is the arena stage. Now they call it the American Mead Center for American Theater. Right, yeah. The Meads? The Mead Center oh. for American Theater. But everybody knows it as the arena stage. Okay, because yeah. the, the idea of it being the Meads Center. The like Meads Meat Center. The Council oh. has put a theater together. I love D.C. Oh, good. Do you love D.C.? I've only been there a couple times. Oh, it's a great place. Good. Where are you going to live? They have theater housing. Is it in D.C.? Yeah. I think it's right near the theater. Which is in D.C., not right, Virginia. Right, right in D.C., right on the water. Right, on, It's a uh -huh. beautiful, incredible place, beautiful theater. I performed at the Kennedy Center there. Oh. Uh, I did a show of the Complete Works of William Shakespeare, abridged at the Kennedy Center. And there was something so awesome. What month are you going to be there? March. Cherry oh, okay. the Blossoms. Right. Cherry Blossoms. You're going to be Cherry Blossom as opposed to I was there in August, which is just, uh, it's, oh, like, yeah. it's like this weather. But yeah. This weather, but. Humid. Humid, but yeah. oh, it must be, Ohio must be like this too. It is, Ohio is. Right, and your show is, it's intimate, it's you, mm -hmm. and is there also, there's is there media to it as well? No, I, it's me on a plane going back to deal with my mother's death uh -huh. on an airplane from LA to Loveland, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And, but there is a voiceover with an incredible Wayne Wilderson, who's a voiceover actor. So he's the captain of the plane. Mm -hmm. So in one sense, we're having a little dance, uh -huh. the two of us. In fact, end up having a sexual. I have sex on the plane uh -huh. right. <laughs> with well, the captain. Right. Um, yeah. So there's a. Yeah. That's the only thing I would say is it's just me and audio. There is no prop. There is no anything. It's just me on stage alone. And I play about 10 different characters, all the people on the plane, uh -huh. except for the captain. And then, um, so. Are you, how did you get into the groundlings? 
sketch. I'm a sketch big time sketch artist. Uh -huh. Yeah. And how did you? How did? How did? How did you? So you came here. You studied with the Groundlings. Yeah, and just went up the ranks. And who was in yeah. the company when, when I? I was performing with Will Ferrell, uh -huh. Sherry O'Terry, Chris Kattan. I knew Molly, not from Groundlings, but another thing. And I knew, um, yeah, I had, a, I had a great time. But at the time that I was in there, I realized I had just done a solo show in New Mexico, my first solo show, right before I came here. Mm -hmm. and, and I did the whole human condition, everything, you know? And the, but my goal was Saturday Night Live. My whole life had been Saturday Night Live. Goal was Saturday Night Live. And then I, I did the solo show. And then the director, in uh, I get a feature film in New Mexico. So I get my SAG card. Every, everything happens by putting up my first solo show in New Mexico. And he mm -hmm. says, come to L.A. When I, knew, I didn't know anybody in L.A., but I knew about Growlings. And Growlings were where people got to Saturday Night Live. Right. So I came to Growlings, and I just went right up. I didn't have to go through any of those backwards in any of the classes or be held, which was phenomenal. Right. And, it's um, a long process. It's a long process. And I was in there and I realized, I don't like this. Right. This is, this, is, this is squashing what I know I just did in Santa Fe. What didn't you like about it? That I couldn't, I'm getting a three minute sketch when I want everything, the right. whole human, I want the <laughs> gamut of poignancy, pain, love, uh -huh. I want it all. Right. And I quit. You quit, you I resigned. Quit. I resigned, I said I'm out of here. Right. Well, and my friends were like, are you nuts, Sam? I was just about to say, were people surprised about oh, that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're crazy. You're like, you're crazy. And I, and I also thought right away, you know, my goal then became, you know, I think Ally McBeal was happening at the same time. I thought, you know, I'll get an hour-long dramedy. That is way more my whatever. Mm -hmm. But this is, so I put up, after I quit, I put up, put up a solo show. And right away, um, I signed with William Morris. And they're like, this is going to be the next, you know, whatever. It was a big ordeal. And they asked me to change certain things right before the network came and I did and it neutered the show and when I performed it that night I didn't own it and I remember the agent walking me back to the car and he goes you were good tonight but not great and good does not sell and wow. that was hardcore wow and dropped like that you know once you right. don't sell out you're out so that's uh, uh, some some people are uh, I look at that and go I don't I have no desire to do that. I have no desire to be in a world like that. <laughs> it was hard. I mean, that was definitely a really, you know, after being built up and working with Agent William Morris, here's how we're going to package you, blah, 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 blah. Just cut that, you know, just, that was a rude awakening. Right. And for yeah. somebody to be so frank with you, which I totally appreciate that. Yeah. That frank is also so like, what just happened? I felt like I was just slapped. Yeah. I was just word slapped. Yeah. What it was just hard. Happened? Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah. That was a devastating time. And then yeah, yeah, and then I went on after that. That was the first year I quit Growlings, getting the agent, getting this package deal, and blah, you know, almost package deal. And then, uh, so I said, okay, I'll write another show. Uh -huh. And I was at the shell homeless shelter now, I'm taking this job. And so I just, I'd be there one year. And then this went on for 10 years. Right. During that time, I wrote show after show. Show after show? Show after show. And you performed show after show? Performed show, and they would win every award. They win every comedy. But Where could, did you perform the show? Uh, Court Theater, Santa Monica Playhouse, the Improv Upstairs. Right. I had a long-running sketch show. The Improv Upstairs. You know, the right next to the Improv, there's that theater where I think. Second City was there. Yeah. There was oh up oh oh. When you say upstairs, you meant next door. Next door. Right. Oh, did they have a space upstairs? Yeah, it was great, and I was did stairs going up. Stairs going up. Because we turned that. Because I was the artistic director at Second City, ah. and we we brought the theater downstairs. And then the offices in it, there was, a, there, was a, there was a classroom upstairs. So you were upstairs. I was upstairs. Right. Upstairs. And, and um, 
you just kept going and talking to people and putting your show up and you were you you are driven I'm driven right <laughs> but are you driven to a point where you where you can't stop and go oh <sighs> uh, no I'm in nature net so I uh, I have to have a bound like that like why I mean like I hike like today I'll go hiking all day I I have to that's my way right yeah I think Hawaii is one of the most spectacular places on the planet yeah I do too never thought I'd live there oh, I get it yeah I get it uh, I, when I was married I well, we went there for our, our 10th anniversary we went to uh, we flew we flew into Lahui and then we had a place which is at Queen's Bath Queen's Bath Princeville Queens, yeah yeah and no no not Queens not Prince the west side of the island is that Queen's Beach uh, Queen's Beach Queen's Beach the end of the freeway. Hanalei Bay, Hyena. Well, it's near Waimea. 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 It's okay, it's the Waimea other side. The it's the other side. Other side. Okay, the, I don't know anything Queen's about that. Beach right. or something like that. Yeah, it's okay. where the freeway ends, or the highway, okay. whatever the highway is. Highway. Um, and I remember thinking, this looks exactly like the photographs of this place. Wow. You know what? Don't you think? Wow. Like there are a few places that you go to. For me, it's Ireland. Ireland looks like, for me, you know, the the, the island looks like exactly what the travel brochures make it look like make it look like yeah i love the smell of that island i love the food on that island i love waimea canyon it blew me away i know it's incredible the grand canyon of hawaii exactly and hanalei <laughs> uh, is just phenomenal I and know. driving into hanalei and and seeing it all laid out there and the plantain plantain field exactly. it is incredible exactly and and it goes back to being blessed. I feel blessed. Mm -hmm. I feel blessed that I could go there. Mm -hmm. I feel blessed that I can do all these things. Mm -hmm. And I think, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. I got here because I, I was driven, mm -hmm. but not driven so that I didn't stop, not driven so I couldn't breathe. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. You have a beautiful really, way yeah. of living. Dave. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Um, let's stop there. Okay. Today's episode was sponsored by GoDaddy. Thinking about starting a new website? GoDaddy is offering one new or transfer.com for just $1.99 for the first year. Go to GoDaddy.com and enter the code ADDcomedy at checkout or click on the GoDaddy banner on our website, ADDcomedy.com. Hello, ADD Comedy Podcast listeners. Dave Rozowski here. First off, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And second off, if you've ever wanted to take a class with me but thought, gosh, I don't think I'll ever be around where David is, know that you can now take the virtual class at iActing. Just check our website out, and there's a link there. Click on that link, and that will set you up. you got to do a little hunting, but I think that it's well worth it. We'll hear you in your ears. Bye. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rozowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on ADD Comedy, you can visit our website at www.theaddcomedytour.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ADD Comedy Pod. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you're interested in taking a class with Dave, you can find that information at his website at www.davidrozowski.com. Sound services for the ADD Comedy Podcast was brought to you by Post Apocalyptic.